Welcome to another episode of the Lawn Care Leaders Podcast. Have a good one for you today. This is episode number 75 with my good friend and mentor, Jim Marmon. Jim stopped by the shop um, to take a look at how our operation works, our systems, see some of our equipment and processes, and uh, this is this is us just talking after the fact. A lot of good leadership, small business advice for you guys in here. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. I know you're going to get a lot of value out of it. Um, we talk about not just lawn care related stuff. We also get into some personal investing. Um, so enjoy that. I also want to drop for the first time ever on episode number 75, a new sponsor to the podcast and it is called Intentional Growth Advisors. Intentional Growth Advisors are advisors, consultants, bookkeepers, CFOs that specialize in the green industry. Their sole purpose for existing is to help you guys, the small business owner in the green industry, come alongside you and offer packages that help you with your bookkeeping help you with your accounting, your your tax prep, maybe your projections or implementing systems, all the way to actual hands-on coaching. Um, to reach out to Intentional Growth Advisors, it is simply intentionalgrowthadvisors at gmail.com. Um, they are new to this show and I am actually uh, kind of co-founding this advisor group. Um, so, I'm super excited about it, and I know a lot of you guys have the same questions, the same concerns. This this program, this package, this advising is going to be really, really beneficial for you guys. So if you're at all interested, reach out to that email. Um, They will be implementing um, some social media, obviously, so we'll drop that on here. A phone number and a texting hotline where they're going to be giving weekly tips and newsletters. For now, reach out to intentionalgrowthadvisors at gmail.com. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with my good buddy, Jim Marmon. There we go. We're up and running. Yeah, we can just chat. I'm with uh, my good buddy, Jim Marmon. He's been on the podcast once before, kind of telling your story. Yep, yep. Uh, he came in to check out the shop here at Green Again Lawn and uh, is actually, I consider him a, a, a good friend and, and really helps me on the mentor side. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you consider yourself my mentor, but. Well, I do, but I don't know if I consider myself your friend. <laughs> <laughs> touche, touche. But no, we're, we're just going to chat. And I had, I had some specific questions for him and I'm always thinking about our audience and those of you listening out there, how we can add value. So I just thought we would kind of have a frank conversation and yep. see what was up. Um, the cool thing for Mr. Marmon is he's been there, done that. So he has been through pending recessions. He's been through recessions and he's made it past all of that. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have him on here was because last time we chatted, I kind of felt guilty after hanging out with him because it was almost just like I was complaining the whole time about what I had gone through and how hard it was. And when I left, I'm like, man, there's a reason guys like Jim Marmon exist because they see, they see solutions and they, and they see, they see it not as a problem or as something that's moving you backward. It's just another hurdle that you got to go around, go through, figure out a way around it. And 
that's kind of what I want to camp out on is your high level view of things right now for small business owners and kind of where their mindset should be. And then also we just talked about this, like how can they make sure their personal finances are in place Mm -hmm. and make sure they're diversified? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You want me to start? Okay. So, so here's what I was probably the first thing I would touch on red, like, you know, these crises are going to happen. You know, I'll, I'll be 49 next month. And, uh, in, in my business career, I went through about four what they would consider financial crises, situations, recessions, uh, what have you. And I think the one thing I learned is you can either be a, a, a victim or you can be a, a victor, right? And figuring out that when times like this happen, uh, to me, it kind of selects those stronger companies to survive and thrive. Were the weaker companies that were just making money because money was easy uh, during the uh, frothy times, they, they go away or, or, or at least they fade away. So to me, I always, uh, without beating myself up, I never want to take a haircut financially, but when money's easy, anybody can get into it. They can, you know, anybody can at least make a profit, thrive for a while and, and, and not be good. But when times get lean and mean, those companies that are prepared for that and strong, they, they come out of these better uh, than, than they went in. You know, you shared a story with me today that that day you came to my house and felt bad about complaining. You're just having a rough go and a lot of cancellations over this coronavirus. You know, it's it's one thing to kind of be in that mindset because we all do and it's, it's scary and, and uh, none of us are prepared for that when it hits and, and we just kind of got to gotta refocus. But since then, uh, you've you recovered, you've gained 500 customers that, that you never thought you'd have, and you're on pace out of the biggest year ever. So this was a month ago that we met in my yard, and now you're on pace to have the biggest year ever. So that just goes to show that, you know, we all have emotions. We're all uh, human beings here. We've got our fears and, and uh, uh, things that we don't understand. But you, know, you, you kind of got to re- refocus, regather, recenter, and then uh, get back after it that much harder. Just like being being down in a basketball game when you played in high school. You know, you don't give up when there's two minutes left and you're down by 10. Yeah. You try harder, you try to make better shots and make, make plays happen. So same thing is true in business. What did you do? I mean, so you went through 2008. Did that affect your business a lot? Yeah, so when I had started that uh, second go-around, if you were in the driveway business, mm-hmm. I, was, I was two years in, right? We started in 06. 08 came on two years in, you know, I'm starting to grow this business. Things are going, going well. And uh, we're on our A game and then the financial crisis hits and, you know, it's scary. All of a sudden you go from having all the work you want and hiring at will to the, the spigots have turned off. And, um, I just remember a lot of my friends during that period were like, you know, Jim, if you ever have to let people go or lay them off, man, they'll understand. They'll understand. And I, I just kept asking myself and, and tell myself that, how are they going to understand where are they going to go? I'm going to be fine. I'm pretty financially astute, but where are they going to go? So instead of taking that approach, which I thought was kind of a weak approach, I just, I, uh, I gathered my troops and said, guys, here's the deal. If we're going to get through this, we got to work harder. We got to be smarter. We got to figure out how to squeeze out profit because I don't want any of you guys to, to lose your jobs. And if, if we can all uh, come together as a team, we'll get through this as a team. And sure enough, man, we just rallied. We did very, very well. And uh, through that year that, that was seen as probably one of the worst uh, uh, business years ever, we grew at like 37%. And then we added people. And we never slowed down after that. But that crisis made us a stronger team mentally, physically, 
emotionally than we were before because we weren't willing to quit. And is it like, do you think it's just something innate in you and other people that thrive where you didn't make a fear-based decision? Because uh, I, I feel like a lot of people that I'm talking to or the ones that are complaining or struggling, it's, it's one fear-based decision after the next. And they're, they're listening to the news and the media. I mean, maybe give your thought on that. And then also how, if they are bent towards that, how practically can they start feeding good stuff into their mind? Is it, is it getting a mentor? Is it diving into books? What is it that can make them get above the situation and not make a fear-based decision? Sure. Yeah. I think all, all those are good things, but you know, we, you and I often talk about just reading. We share books that we're reading together because I think always reinforcing our mindset because we can slip into that negativity uh, at any time. We're, we're human, right? We're, we're frail. But learning from those that have come before us, you know, at 25 bucks a book, man, we, we just we take things from those that we haven't thought of or that maybe we had thought of but we forgot about. Mm-hmm. And it helps reinforce, I think, our positive mind. But, um, you know, I think going back to 08 and that, uh, era. I mean, yeah, I was nervous, just like this COVID, right? This is unprecedented. The whole country shut down for the first time in my lifetime. How do you how do you deal with that and recover? Well, again, you either crawl into a corner and you suck your thumb, or you figure out that you know what that's that's not going to work. I got to get out there and work harder, smarter. When everybody else is fearful, I got to be courageous. Even if I've got fear inside, I can't show that to my people. I want to appear like I've got it all together, even when I've got those same fears, because they're leaning on me to be to be the leader. Yeah. And I think that's when we show up. Um, the other thing I try to live by is, is an old philosophy that uh, uh, U.S. Air Force pilots live by called the seven P's. And I don't know if I've uh, expressed this uh-uh, to you, but no. someone introduced this to me uh, not too long ago. But the seven P's stand for proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance. So uh, it, it's a very easy uh, philosophy. I've even taught it to my girls because I'm like, that goes for life. It goes for your relationships. It goes for your business. It goes for when you raise kids. But but being prepared will help you uh, be ready when that next crisis comes because yeah. it's coming. And, you know, even back in uh, 08, 09, because I had been prepared financially, I, I didn't have to make a knee-jerk reaction because, you know, the whole world stopped for 30 days. Yeah. I was prepared with, with my six months or a year of, of savings or, or cushion which uh, we all hear about, but none of us really act upon that until we're forced to, and at that point, it's too late. Yeah. So as you're preparing for this next crisis to come along, you know, plan for that. Have your money in savings. Know that I've got six months or a year cushion because when these crises hit, whether it's the next recession, the next virus, the next, you know, you name it, you're prepared to weather that storm. Yes. And if you're not, shame on you yeah. because you're, you're a business leader and you know better. But, but when you're prepared for that, you know, you can you can hunker down, you can rally your troops and you can be ready to, to weather that storm and come out stronger than you were before. And so did you have six to 12 months personal and on the business side or what did that look like? Back in 08, 09. Mm-hmm. I did. I've always, <laughs> excuse me, but I've always been one of those guys to try to live below my means mm-hmm. because I don't know when that next time is coming. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, there's that old philosophy. It's a philosophy that says if, if you want to be rich, live like you're poor. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be poor, live like you're rich. So I think being prepared on both those fronts is just the way to go. Minimize your debt. Don't be too leveraged. You know, I, I know a lot of developers and stuff, they're always talking about leverage, leverage. You know, you can really maximize your IRR if you 
leverage the snot out of all your assets, but it works well during good economies, yeah. during economies like this. And that, that's take a, it on the chin. That's now. right. Yeah. It's a disaster. And they've got, you know, the banks are calling everybody else. So never want to live my life like that, but be prepared, especially personally, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But take that same philosophy that you know from your personal life and being prepared and apply that to your business life as well. Yeah, that's good. What about, I mean, and even maybe not for business owners, but, but guys like Tiago that may be second in command or general managers out there or people who they just they don't have any equity in the business. Yep. But how can they, outside of just having an emergency fund, start to diversify and help themselves still have other streams of income or not be solely dependent on one source right. of income? Right. Because I, mean, I think there's some book that talks about it, like wealthy people more often than not have like five a minimom of five to seven or something yeah. rich, streams of income. Rich dad, poor dad books like that are really good. Yeah. But I, I think you're right, Britain. First of all is, is take care of the basics, right? Be prepared. So have your cushion, have your six months of cushion personally, right? Mm-hmm. We're not all built to be entrepreneurs and CEOs and, and that's okay. It, it takes an army, but those people should be prepared personally uh, to, to weather a storm six mm-hmm. months. But as they, as after they build that and they start to gather their assets, if, Anybody that's that does really well in life, it doesn't matter if you make, you know, forty grand a year or four million a year, but live below your means. Learn how to live below your means. Therefore, you can you can save well and you can turn that money into wealth. One of my favorite ways that that I've done it and, and set myself up uh, before I sold my business and even more after is real estate. I I used to be involved in some residential real estate. There's some good and bad to that. I now do a lot of commercial real estate. But the way I try to set up my finances to take care of all my expenses and my fund is through commercial real estate. Because pretty much uh, if, if I buy good real estate, I have good tenants, low vacancies, that money stream is going to come in consistently no matter what crisis hits at, at the moment. So I don't base any of my uh, stock accounts, investment accounts, other outside investments on what it takes to, to survive. So. I've done that, and I can recommend that to people that have a job or uh, have a business, that you, you start accumulating some of that wealth and then diversifying it into some real estate, probably residential real estate at first, and then grow into commercial real estate, which I think is a little bit more stable and, and a lot less emotional. Cool. So your, your cost of living, all the trips you do, all the fun stuff, extras, is funded from the real estate? Real estate, yeah. So even like when this hit, you know, I mean, I, I, I took a haircut as well, like everybody mm-hmm. uh, on paper, because it's, it's, it just came so fast. Nobody's really prepared for that. And if they said they were, they're probably lying. Yeah. So, um, you know, all, all this stuff, especially in the market that is a very volatile place, but still one that when the, uh, the number one wealth builder in the world is a stock market. So you don't want to avoid it, but don't base your income, your, your daily, weekly, yearly income solely on that market Mm -hmm. because it you know when times are good you're going to feel really really smart really really rich when times are bad you're going to feel just the opposite so have have what you can in there but when you can get into a more stable investment with a more uh stable income stream it's a much better way i think to base your uh personal budget that's awesome yeah i just re-listened to uh t harvecker secrets Mm -hmm. of the millionaire Mm -hmm. mind where he talks about you know if you have a dollar manage that dollar that's right if you have a million manage that million that's right and, um, which it, it re-challenged me too, because I do a lot better job managing 
my business finances. Mm-hmm. We do bank allocations, allocate it for taxes, allocate it for profit, core capital. Yeah. But then on my personal, I can let it slip. Yeah. Like, why am I doing that? Yeah. Like, so I, I did the same thing in my personal accounts recently where I have a percentage for fun, have a percentage for investments, percentage for tithe. Yeah. That all comes out. Yep. And then we live off the rest. That's right. So, um, yeah. well, I mean, what else? I got a, a lot of other selfish questions, maybe. Yeah. Other people will get. Fire away. Um, but just like, so I kind of told you our, our well, I showed you our, our growth plan and our roadmap. Yep. I mean, it's very ambitious. There's a lot of moving parts. The, the one thing that I realized that needs to happen is, like we were just talking about earlier, is I need to continue to move up and let layers of leadership move up behind me. I mean, what am I, what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? I, I want to implement the, the vertical integration part, mm-hmm. but I also have a passion for, for this stuff. Like I have a passion for having these conversations, yep. blasting them out to the world, yep. and then adding value to people. And when I'm adding value, build them for it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I do feel like this green industry advising company that we're going to be starting is going to add value to people. But I can't, I can't do anything and get my career there if my bread and butter is not taken care of. So that's my question to you. It's like, what, what's the process of me phasing out of daily operations and is it, am I doing it wrong? Is it too quick? What? I just want your honest sure. opinion. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be blunt with me. You're not going to hurt my feelings. No, no, I trust you. No, I get it. I get it. And we kind of went over that roadmap a little bit today. But I think one thing I'd advise you on is just, you know, don't, don't be in a hurry to get rich. I think all of us have that ambition to, to get there, right? But if you just focus on being the best, I think that money follows. I think if you focus on being the best coach as you phase yourself out of uh, a management role, uh, your business will grow that much more right uh when, when you focus on being the best uh, mentor to, to whether it's this radio show or uh, others it, it'll follow but you, you just you can't focus i think some sometimes we always go man i just need to focus on the money and, and i know in my career when i focus on the money man more times than not i got knocked down right mm-hmm. never got knocked out but i got knocked down because i was so focused on man if i can just get to that that next 10 grand or the next 100 grand or whatever it is and I was so focused on that that something would happen and something would break down or we'd have an accident in our trucking company. And I would just get knocked down. So I had to kind of uh, just just recenter my mind to go, I need to focus on being the best. You know, every area in my business, and, I, and for whatever reason, maybe it's the way I'm built, but I never focused on those areas in my business that were working the greatest. Mm-hmm. I always work, focused on those areas in my business that weren't. Mm-hmm. And if I had one area that was very profitable, I was much more comfortable kind of delegating that to my COO or whatever and letting them just run with it. And I would focus on my weakest link, whether it was personnel or processes or whatever, because I felt like if my business isn't perfect, which it never will be, but if I didn't work towards perfection, I was never going to be at a place of satisfaction. Yeah. So uh, I think having all those other dreams and these other goals and stuff are great. Keep those in mind and kind of, kind of focus on that, uh, with, with, with your spare time, mm-hmm. but in the process, focus on being the best company you can at what you do. I mean, you've already got a great enterprise here that's succeeding well, but man, just keep duplicating that, duplicating that, and Brit, before long, you know, you could be sitting on a gold mine that you never thought you'd, you'd have to manage, yeah. and then that comes with a whole other set of problems and, and uh, 
possibilities, and then that's when when it gets fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? And that's all really good, and I'll, I'll do my best to to play that out. But why why is it so hard for me not to not let go? I don't know how to explain this properly. Like, why is it so hard to delegate properly and get out of the way? Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at now. It's, I think a lot, I was thinking about it this morning. I think a lot of it is because, you know, so much is tied up here, even in my family's security. Mm-hmm. So I'm freaked out that if I detach and, and my focus is still, like let's say it's fifty percent green again, fifty percent other stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of focus on green again. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's gonna like just go up in flames. Yeah. But I'm still worried about it. Yeah. And I don't know how to slowly remove myself. I guess. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think we all know this. You'll never not worry about it, right? It's like your firstborn kid. It's as important to you as your family. It really is because it supports your family. So I think your focus will remain there. But as we've been coaching over the last few years, you got to learn to be a better coach. And then, then you, you learn to delegate and, and then you learn to trust. But like Ronald Reagan once said, right, you trust but verify. You never, you never just release um, the, the, the reins. Yeah. You're always in control, right? We, we were talking about Grant Cardone's book today, Be yeah. Obsessed or Be Average, that you know, there, there's a, a chapter in that book that really talks about you know, being a control freak. Well, I used to feel like I just had to have utmost 100% control of all the minute details or it wasn't going to be that great because, you know, my pride and ego was getting in the way. Yeah. And then when I learned that when I when I learned to train people well, trust uh, immensely and and uh, kind of open my arms and let them go be the best they could, it made me a lot better. And frankly, it'll make you a lot richer because you can only do so much. You've only got so much capacity. But at no time was I never not in control. Yeah. So I think to your point, you're always going to have the worries and fears that just comes with life. Um, but I think when you coach well, delegate well, uh, have that control, but it's a different control. You're not controlling the minute details. You've now got people you're trusting to do that, but you're controlling the overall process of your operations and make sure that it is running uh, the way that, that Britt Dowd created it and the it, and it green again is expected to run. Yeah. Is there, I guess the other thing is my fear is, is it too early? Because like I have back here on this board, um, I have five main things that I wanted to focus on this mm-hmm. year. And it was branding our company, yeah. building leaders, networking, fixing bottlenecks, which is areas where either only me or only yep. our admin or yep. only Tiago can handle something. And then tracking our spreadsheets, mm-hmm. our, our new data and metrics that were with the chaos. Obviously, I've had to pull back from some of those, mm-hmm. um, like the networking piece yeah. and, and meeting with key influencers. But that was like that was what I wanted to do. But what happens is, I just find myself like those are all important, and I'll get to them. But we got a down Z spray, yeah. and I'm the only one that knows how to fix it. Or that's important, but. I've got three sales calls and I want to make sure they get closed. Yep. When is it, when is it too early? Like, is there a revenue point or is there, yeah, I don't know. I, no, I, you I obviously know. can hear the concern in my voice. I'm yeah. just, yeah. I know what you're asking. I, I just think sometimes it's kind of deceiving to think that, um, 
you know, all is going to be well, even when we let it go and people are just going to take over. But the, the truth of the matter is this. I think when, when we come to the reality that we're going to still have those immediate crises that we have to take care of, mm-hmm. it's just part of business. It's really part of life, right? Yeah. And they say life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans, right? And we see that in our relationships. We see that in our business. I mean, I, I get up every morning. I have these great expectations, but I can tell you this. Most of the time, I'm let down and resentful because all these great things I want to get done, life just happens. Yeah. And uh, and it even happens to a guy who's been retired for five years, right? Yeah. It, it just, life happens to you. And I think the best thing and the best mindset to have is that I'm going to be available for whatever is necessary, but I'm going to focus all my time that I have extra on these things that I really want to get done. And I think when you change your state of mind, it helps you to cope with that much better. Otherwise, we're walking around in, in much frustration all the That's time really because good. we cannot uh, do what we plan on doing every day. It's easy to write it on paper. It's hard to execute when life is happening around us. That's really good. So say that again. You said be available for yeah. the immediate needs. Yep. Yeah. Just know that it's going to happen. Just know that I have to be available for the crisis because they're going to come, mm-hmm. right, whether I want them to or not. But, but focus all your extra available time. On, on those areas that you really want to get done. Yeah. But if, and that's just change your mindset from, hey, I got to get all this done and I'll put these crises off to I'll handle the crisis, but then focus the rest of my time. And I think it helps build a lot less anger, frustration, resentment in mm-hmm. our minds than the other way around. Yeah. Because we want to get out of the gate, get all these things done we want to do, mm-hmm. but then we have these things we have to do. Mm-hmm. But just know that we've got things we have to do and I'm going to focus all the rest of my time on things I want to do. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. That's awesome, man. Um, I mean, what else? What else are you thinking about right now during this crisis? I mean, I always tell our team, and my brother and I talk about it a lot. That in chaos, there's opportunity. That's right. What are what opportunity are you seeing out there that most people aren't? Yeah, I think. Um, gosh, I mean, it could be anything. Yeah, there's so much to it. But I, I think if I was a if I was in business right now, I mean, I would just be hyper focused on all my customers and keep in contact. You know, I think you get overwhelmed by these emails about, hey, this is what we're doing with our COVID-19 response. Well, everybody in the world is doing that, right? Yeah. And and you don't read any of those go, man, that, that guy is really doing something different. Yeah. But I think just being empathetic, compassionate with your with your customers, just knowing that, hey, if, if they're not paying as quickly as they used to, you know, a friendly reminder or, hey, just to let you know I'm thinking about you. Those things matter because yeah. people are people, and whatever business we're in, uh, it involves people. Mm-hmm. And, and whether they're a CEO of, of a you know a, a public company or, or a, a retired you know little lady from from a Spring Hill, Kansas, here, we just want to be empathetic to know that life is tough. We're all we're all dealing with this together mm-hmm. and unprecedented. So we're going to come out of there, but but work harder, rally your troops. You know, when I showed up here today, you had an army of freaking trucks out here preparing to head out to battle and, and it was good. It's good seeing that activity and, you know, some guys were masked, other guys not. So, you know, I think we need to be sensitive to everybody's fears in, mm-hmm. in that area. Uh, and, and just, man, I, I, I think just rallying those people, let them know that, Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I've got goals, you know, we're, we're going to go get them yep. and I'm, I'm in charge and, you know, you've got your fears and I've got mine and your listeners have, have theirs, but, I think as leaders, we're just we need to show that man, we got this thing together, yeah. and we're going to get through it. And I think they will draw on your confidence, uh, whether it's whether it's really a fake smile or not. 
they'll draw on that confidence and be the best they can be for you. That's good. That's good. Okay, so side note that just popped in my head while you were saying that. I have a personal opinion about this, yeah. but I want to I want to hear your take. Do you feel like small business owners that are bringing in under five hundred thousand a year in top line should be investing in the stock market? Because I was thinking the other, I'm seeing a lot of these guys on Instagram and talking about all this, and I'm like, you should not be investing in the stock market. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's just my personal right. opinion. Because you know, what do you mean, trading or through retirement or? Well, I think yeah, like a Roth's fine. Okay, like like obviously yeah. saving for your future yeah. is never a bad thing. Yeah, but I see guys taking risky investments, thousand dollar chunks, five thousand dollar chunks, which is a ton of money to anybody that's making mm-hmm. top line 500 grand yep. and not reinvesting in their business. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to do a post on this for, for some of our listeners too, because I'm like, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I, number one, you don't have any control over it. Yep. And number two, you could be, you could make, be making 10 X on that investment within your own business. If yeah. you allocate it properly. Well, and the other thing is, but I think it takes your focus off your business, right? Yeah. I mean, like me personally, I've always enjoyed the stock market and trading a little bit, but I know when I would get focused on that because it seems like the quick, easy buck to chase, yeah. I would lose focus on things in my business. So, And I'm talking about, because I, like, I intend to dabble in it, mm-hmm. but I want margin. Right. I've got a little margin in my life. That's right. But I don't have enough. Yeah. And I, but I know I've got a lot more than most mm-hmm. of these guys that are mm-hmm. talking about doing yeah. it. I'm like, why would you be that risky with five grand and not not put five grand towards a Facebook sure. ad? Just like your buddies that fly out to Vegas and spend three thousand at a blackjack table. I mean, yeah. your odds of winning are next to nothing, right? Yeah. But in the, in the stock market, it can be it can be an investment. But I think you're right. I think what most people have to understand when they when they when they trade is investing is for your future. But most people are trading. Yeah. But trading really can be a lot like gambling. But don't yeah. put any any of that that money to work. That you can't afford to lose. Yeah. And if it's a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred, just yeah. make sure you never have any more in there that, that you're yeah. willing to lose because you can in, in a matter of minutes. Yeah. Even in that business. But you know, it's attractive right now. The stock market's been beat up. I think a lot of people are attracted to that. But but the problem with the market, it can it can be yeah. it can be like that that pretty woman across the bar, right? Mm-hmm. Get you in a lot of trouble when you start to dabble. So Got it. You got to be careful, and, and I'm like you. Unless you have that margin and are willing to lose whatever you're putting at risk, don't yeah. even attempt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's so there's so many more opportunities as the business owner. Mm-hmm. Like let alone people that are just working for the company. Yeah. But as the business owner, the equity that you build when investing five grand back into right. a piece of equipment that's going to earn you another half a million. Yeah. I just I think people should rethink it. I, I mean, especially the the lawn care industry. Yeah. Um, just me personally, I, I have a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I haven't put as much into it as I want. Mm-hmm. But I also have a book of business and a company right that is building equity. Yeah. And I, I just want people to, to see that. Because um, I intend to create so much margin that I have a lot of cash right. to dabble in. Well, when I think the greatest point there is, is not one, one second. Okay. Let, me, let me stop oh. this and all. Hey, wanted to pause here and uh, give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Jobber. They have been with us from the get-go on this podcast and have always supported us, have always helped our business green again lawn. 
What they do is they make you more professional. They streamline the invoice, quoting, collections, client entry process for you. Give them a shout, www.getjobber.com, and you can do backslash Brit-Dowd. That's B-R-I-T-T-D-O-W-D, and you can find a slick discount from the Lawn Care Leaders podcast. So head over there. Thanks, Jobber, for supporting us. We love you guys. Now back to the show. All right, so we were chatting about where my focus was. Mm -hmm. So jump back to that thought quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'll, I'll import like a promo there yeah, a sponsored yeah. ad i think what you and i were just discussing off, off air there is just making sure because we all have dreams and i think we have to chase some of those to keep us uh, keep us interested right but um even when we do a master plan we've got some other businesses we want to get into or some other areas of focus we might want to grow into the number one thing is always take care of that bread and butter always stay stay focused on what you know be the best you can at that and when you've got some margin of time then and margin of finances, of course, then focus on those other areas. And as we were discussing before, you know, don't go headlong into it, but but do some low cost probes, you know, a little bit at a time, invest a little money, see if it works. And if it works out and you see a return on your investment and for both your time and money, then you can spend some more money and time on that. But just be careful that you don't, um, you know, go headlong into something because you've succeeded here. doesn't mean you're going to ignore this kid. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, Yeah. And we, we did kind of allude to it being like raising a kid. Mm-hmm. So let's stay on that. So like yeah. I've raised this kid yeah. and now they're kind of functioning mm-hmm. and not just a time suck and yeah. I'm providing for them. It, this thing is now providing for me. That's right. But yeah. then we're going to have a second kid and a third kid. Yeah. So we've got to allocate more time. I want to know, like I literally want to know a specific detail just yeah. selfishly. Like at Team Drive Away. Yep. I think the first time we met, it was at Marmon Commercial. Mm-hmm. On the hill out there, you were asking me some lawn care questions. Um, but that was your first year where you had fully stepped away. Yeah. But I want to know, like, day one, what was your thought press process when you decided to step away? And what, how many team members did you have? What was your top line revenue? Yeah. What, what were you thinking about? And then what did the next 24 months look like? Because right. I, I feel like that's right where I'm at. Yeah. And I'm worried, like, well, are we not doing enough revenue? Well, right is is Tiago not ready? Do I have not have enough layers of leadership under him? Yeah. I want to know those details. Yeah. And I think those are just good concerns that you're always going to have. But, you know, I, I think looking back to, to my business, I had a great right hand. And I don't know, you know, Tiago, that intimately, yeah, but he sure seems like a great right hand man. The more you're delegating and trusting and believing because he's performing, then then the better, more valuable he becomes. I just think in any business, you know, whether you've got a partnership or at least if you've got a COO or a, a, just a solid right-hand man, right-hand woman, whatever that may be, that's important because I think we all need somebody to lean on. And not everybody is set up to be the CEO and, you know, not everybody is going to be COO, but if you've got the CEO qualities like you do, Britt, and, and from what I see in Tiago, he's a great COO, leader, and, and processor, stuff like that. Then you lean on them, you lean into them, and then you, again, just you delegate more and more until you know that, man, if I, if I do get hit by that bus, I know I can trust that guy. And when, when you can trust that guy fully like that for a week, 
two weeks a month, then you can start to pour yourself out of the business a little bit. You're never out of the woods, just like we are as parents, right? We think, hey, as soon as my kid graduates high school, I'm out of the woods. Well, you're not. As soon as my kid gets married, I'm out of the woods. Well, you're not. You're always going to be their parent. You're always going to look after them, but that relationship changes. And I think that same thing happens in business, that before you used to have to change the diaper of that business all the time. Now you're just making sure that if they need to talk on a weekend, that you're there for them. So you're ever just want to make sure they don't move back into the house. Right. Yeah, don't bring them back. <laughs> sure. If you raise them well, they won't move back. Right. Do you remember any of the details, like team member wise? I mean, I'm assuming you had a guy in place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I already had Scott. He was with me. So that was in. Did you start taking one day where you were just like, hey, I'm I'm empowering you to run things while I'm not here? And then do you remember the, the revenue mark or any of those specific details? Yeah, I don't remember the revenue mark, but I just remember, I think I picked a specific day of the week. Like maybe Fridays, I would start taking off every Friday, either Monday through Thursday. And then, you know, really when I started team, of course, I'd had some previous experience in my, in my prior business. But within about uh, three months of opening team, I went down to Cancun for a week with my family. And Scott was totally in charge. So that was really the first test. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he, he performed well. So I think what I re- would recommend to you and your, your listeners here is um, put them through some tests. You know, maybe take a, a, a week off where you're just like, yeah, I go, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to Canada. I won't have any phone service and be gone for a week. Mm-hmm. Right. And just trust that some things are probably not going to go perfect. But you've got to get used to knowing that they're not going to be as uh, controlled as when you're here all the time. And that helps to kind of train you and your mind personally for what you can handle and how much time you can be away. Huh. Yeah. There's a growth on both sides. Yeah. Right. And you as a leader and, and the, the business owner needs that just as much as those people you're putting in charge. Okay. How yeah. much in those first few years, I'm assuming you were still hands-on running payroll or did you have somebody else doing that? Um, I, I had a bookkeeper, and uh, as far as the payroll for our employees, we had a payroll service. But uh, for all the drivers and stuff, we had a bookkeeper kind of controlling all those uh, uh, independent contractor. I'm things. just trying to play that out, too. Like with us being such a small company, mm-hmm. I still am the only ones, one that has my hands on the money. Right. You know, I make right. the bank allocations. Yeah. I double check right before, you know, payroll ran this morning. Yeah. Five minutes before you walked in, I yeah. was making bank allocations. Yeah. Yeah. Payroll yeah. out the yeah. door. Nobody else can do that right now. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm just trying to think back. I, I probably did it for the first year, and then I delegated that over to Scott. Okay. So fairly soon, I put that in Scott's hands so that he would make sure people were paid. Yeah. And I figured if he didn't pay somebody or, or paid them mistakenly and they're mad at him, I can blame him for making a mistake, right? <laughs> yeah. So that kind of helped him to not make a mistake. He was good at it. Yep. And and uh, so he, he did that. And I think, if, if I remember right, Britt, I think into, up until the time I sold that company, uh, Scott still handled the payroll on a bi-weekly basis. Okay. Yeah. I would always double check it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. here's the deal. Trust, and, trust but verify. So I would always, I mean, any any uh, big check that went out, you know, $500 or more, I would always have my hand in it, review it, make sure that the things are right. So, again, that control changes. I didn't write the check anymore. I reviewed it. Yeah. I didn't call in payroll or, or you know, uh, load payroll. I would review the report. Yeah. So I always had my... And in that, I always reviewed every credit card statement and uh, just kept an eye on all the money. But I wasn't the cashier anymore. Mm-hmm. That sense. Mm-hmm. And that's just one more step in delegating it, uh, authority 
and, and putting yourself into a different role of review. But nowadays, with all the electronics and all the capabilities, you can do that review process from anywhere in the world at any time. And, and what a great freedom opportunity that is. That's a good point. Yeah. That's really good. I know our listeners are going to get some value out of this. I literally am picturing like going from driving the truck mm-hmm. to sitting in the shotgun seat yeah. to sitting in the back to, you know, now I'm wondering, can I go from the back seat to looking at the GPS to make sure they're heading in the right direction? That's, yeah. that's literally the visual I'm getting. Yeah. Um, okay. So while we were waiting for that previous segment to save, we were kind of talking about scaling and, and leasing trucks mm-hmm. and, and increasing cash flow through that. Yeah. Um, I kind of was going to tell you our game plan. Hopefully it can help some people and, and get your feedback on what Ted's going through. Um, so we took a big shot on the chin because for the last three years, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a salesman. Like I know I can sell my way into anything I yep. need to do. So I would always figure out, okay, where do, how many trucks do I want to get to? What's the number? And then what do we need to do action wise yep. on a daily basis yep. to hit that? Well, that stopped. Mm-hmm. And now we were left with two or three extra trucks. So we, we tried to last year, we overhired by like four guys yep. and we sold our way into the margin, mm-hmm. morning, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. So we tried to do that again, but then brochures, door to door marketing came to a halt because yep. of COVID. Yeah. So we were we were overextended. Is that is that why they stopped allowing that? Is because of COVID, the brochure. Yeah. Okay, the door door. The door okay, door. I got stuff. you. I got yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. Or we would we would still be out there. Okay. And then yeah. also some of it was in the beginning, just an ethical thing because yeah. I didn't know how it was going to play out. Right on. If I would have known it was going to be kind of like the flu, yeah, I would have just kept doing it. Right. And then right. taking the yeah. five thousand dollars slap on the yeah. wrist or whatever yeah. it would have been. Yeah. Um. But we did take a shot on the chin because we, we were a little overextended. You know, yeah. we had I had an extra spray tank. That, yep. Thank goodness, spray specialties let me take back. That was four grand. Yep. We've got these trucks. We almost leased all new trucks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which would have been tough. Yeah, my wife would have been driving a nice wrapped green again truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next year, we're thinking about doing what we're calling seasonal recruits, mm-hmm. where we bring these guys in, we put them in each truck mm-hmm. to ride along with the existing licensed technician yeah does two things gives the technician from this year a better life Mm -hmm. because he's not having to go door to door till dark because he's got somebody helping him yeah it also reinforces a little better training yeah because as we all know you can do one thing here in the office and have two weeks of office training yeah so you learn everything in the field right so it takes care of those two things yeah and then it also allows us to see what do we grow into and those seasonal recruits, if we develop three routes, yeah. we're going to keep three of those guys out of those 10 recruits. Mm-hmm. If we develop 10 routes, we're going to keep all 10. Right. But then we'll, whenever we create those routes and grow into new territories, yep. that's when we'll get a new lease truck. That's okay. when we'll get the spray tank. Okay. So we're selling and then dealing with the demand later right, right on. rather than buying it all and trying to force yeah. the demand. Yeah, you're growing into the demand. Yes. Yeah which is kind of the reverse of what I bragged about on the podcast last year. Yeah. But when times are good, you're piping a little different too. That's right. So I wanted to get your thought on that. Yeah. If you've got any feedback, I know there's little like nuances of what if one of the guys quits right. and now that guy has to do brochure. Yeah. And there's little details. Think things are happening. People will be people, but I, I like that approach. 
Rich, if you think about it, if you're you're growing into this demand, your your investments uh, a lot less, and your investments made once you have the demand to meet that, right? Yeah. Where, where most companies go out there, they buy their trucks, trailers, equipment, whatever that is, and then they go try to create the demand, yeah, right, which puts a lot more force and pressure on the salesperson, the ownership, the management, everybody else. So, no, I like that. I like that approach a huh. lot. So I, yeah, I, I would encourage everybody to kind of. If they can do that, kind of like I'm working with Ted right now, mm-hmm. I said by the end of this year, you know, you'll start working on your big landscape contracts, things like that, that lead you into the fall. We'll determine what you'll have as far as that next crew or two yeah. for 2021. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah it, that's unique too. We haven't done this. So, mm-hmm. so Jim is helping um, Ted mm-hmm. and, you, and you guys kind of, you, you own it solely mm-hmm. right now, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, Statement Lawn Care. And eventually, you're going to phase out and sell it to to Ted. Yep. But what is what is he going through? Because this is his what second year? This is second full year. Yeah, he he's always had you know he's always been a worker, had a yeah. job, and and uh, just understood how that can get uh, that can get old sometimes. And he yeah. worked for a city municipality here, and uh, they do things different, and it, it it bothered him in many many ways, and this gave him a chance to get out. But then, then you get out because you've got your eye on the prize, right? Mm-hmm. The big, the big dollars and, and uh, the money tree that everybody sees in, in the backyard. And then you realize real quick you got to work, you got to work hard, you got to show up, you got to put in 15-hour days sometimes. And then the rains come, and then you got to reset your schedule, and then the grass grows faster, and you can keep up yep. with it. And, you know all those emotions and, and trying to figure out a business he's dealing with. But uh, at the end of the day, when those tough days come, just like we talked earlier on this program, and that's when you buckle down. And, and you, you almost take that as a blessing and not a curse because it helps motivate you to be better than you were. Mm-hmm. And I think he's finding that out in those trials that that's how you get refined. Yeah. And, and that's what he's dealing with. And I think he's going to be in, in great shape. And I think by the end of this year, he's going to find out how profitable uh, being a business owner can be. Yeah. And then hopefully by, by the first year, he can take over and, and I can just sit as in an advisory seat yeah. and not yeah. an ownership seat. Yeah. What's well, like the two or three biggest pain points that he's gone through i i well this year is the first time he's actually managing employees he's always had some part-time help but now he's got a full-time uh first full-time employee and another well right now full-time second employee just because they're trying to catch up to all the all the work they landed so he's figuring that out he's also figuring out that uh you can get as busy as you want to be if you keep your price low enough so i think the key in any business is you raise your price up to what that demand will allow to keep your people as busy as possible. And that pricing strategy is just as important as sales strategy, marketing strategy, whatever, because you don't want to make a million dollars, but spend a million dollars to get there. So he, he's learning that, that out and how to, how to effectively raise his rates, maybe cull out some customers that aren't so profitable. Mm-hmm. We talked about metrics and stuff that we keep and just become a better, more efficient, uh, more profitable businessman. So, those are probably some of the biggest pain points he's dealing with right now. This that's good. Point, yeah. That's good. Which happens a lot with, with mowing companies. And, mm-hmm. and it's why I started this podcast because there yeah. wasn't a lot of content around this. Yeah. But I see so many guys because I, I started in a, my mom's purple minivan in a push mower. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I've got all these accounts and then I've got, you know, too much to handle. Yeah. And you never really take a moment to think like, about supply and demand right. and a lot of guys aren't even thinking about the business side 
but it's specifically art. Maybe it's not specifically our industry. It's just my little world that I live in. Yeah. But I see it a lot in our industry where they never raise their prices. Right. We we bought a company from a guy, mid-continent, yeah. old guy. He'll never listen to this podcast, yeah. so I can say whatever I want. Yeah. He ran this company for 49 years. Yeah. Guess how many times he raised his prices? Twice. Once. <laughs> he raised his prices yeah. once. And they were they were bad. Yeah. He was losing money on some of these. Sure. But he's plenty busy. He was plenty busy. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just I mean, you can tell me what you think, but if it's just if it's fear of oh I'm gonna lose this customer, or if they just never know their numbers. Well, it, it's a combination of both of them. I think uh, know your numbers, know yeah. your numbers well. In fact, know your numbers weekly, right? Yeah. Don't just get get comfortable. Know your numbers every week. Um, understand that you're always selling. So if, if you lose customers, others will show up if you're constantly selling. Yeah. And then uh, don't be afraid of prosperity. So many so many people think, well, man, I can't I can't tag another five dollars on. What if they quit using me or whatever? Well, number one, if you're doing the best you can, you're providing great service to people. And, and solving their problems and not creating them, they're not going to worry too much about $5 or, or whatever that raise might be, 10%. Yeah. But if, if if they do, it's either that you're not doing a great job or they might not be the kind of customer you want. So I think in supply and demand, just a simple supply and demand curve, is that you want to raise your price up to the point that you've got all the business you need to maximize your time. Because one thing you have a capacity of that you cannot buy is time for both you and your people, and you want them to be the most profitable they can. Uh, every day. That's good. That's good. I think that's a good good note to wrap up on. Good stuff, Mr. Marmon. I appreciate it. Till next time. Till next time. <laughs> I, I really do. I want our listeners to know, like this guy has, he's made it. He's been there, and now he's giving back. And I don't know why he does it, um, but he's helped me a lot. And I hope I hope you know that. It's like good. I really do value you and. I mean, the only thing I've given him is a bottle of whiskey and <laughs> taken a lot of his time and, and information. So I appreciate your help. It's good. It's, watch, it's fun to watch you guys grow. And, and there's plenty to be had up there. You work hard enough. You can, you can live your dream. It's yep. good. Love it. Yeah. Thank you, sir. You bet.